Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In this podcast, we talk about the wins against Cardiff and Stoke, give our prayers and place nominations, look ahead to Preston and answer your podcast questions. This is the Boring Breakdown Podcast, and this is our Boring Match Day Chatter in a pod. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Oh! coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown Podcast with Johnny Dana and Tom. We are the Bora Podcast that gives you all of your Bora match day chatter in a podcast. And this week, Bora made a back-to-back home wins against Cardiff and Stoke to take Bora into the final day of the season in the playoff hunt, sitting seventh in the championship table, two points off Sheffield United, who occupy the final playoff spot. Guys, how are you feeling in three words? Dana, do you want to go first? Yeah, I've got three, and then I'm going to tell you why I've chosen those. So first one's recharged after the week's results. Of course, a a very good week for Borough with two wins, two much, much needed wins. Uh, Ready for Preston. Can't wait to be a part of the almost 6,000 Borough fans at Deepdale. Probably more in the home end, let's be honest. And then hopeful, hopeful that we can get the result that we need to get us into the playoff places. Okay. Tom, three words, and you can elaborate as well. I'll give the option. Well, I mean, man's going to look horrendous now because I, I had great three words yesterday, then went to that Ravenelli thing last night. I was knackered by the end of it, just forgot it. And then all I can think of at the moment is the three words I'm going to use, which is probably the most Steven Gerrard kind of response ever. But yeah, pretty good. Um, <laughs> Steve, is um, that you? <laughs> Yeah, it's just the the two results we've had this week. It, it's it's nice to be able to kind of end the the home season on a high like that. I think regardless of what happens next week, um, it's going to be an entertaining end to the season. Um, you know, it, it's always good to kind of have something to play for, and you know, be one of them teams who's kind of like watching results um, happening all around. It's it's always pretty fun, even if nerve wracking. So. Yeah, good good way to bow out with the Riverside. Uh, already can't wait for next season and, and getting at the first home game. Uh, and then, yeah, just hope we can uh, win next week and hopefully secure at least another home game. Yeah, exa- exactly that. And I think my three words is, how's your bottle? Um, I think with, with what's what's going on in the, in the final day, 
both teams have to win um, in, in terms of us and Sheffield United. And of course, there's, there's a Bournemouth thing, not, not, Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest who play on Tuesday night against each other. And it's just a really nice end to the to the season. I think that's what you want when you're in the championship. You want it all to come down to the to the final day at times. And yeah, like look, we, we played really well yesterday and we're gonna come up to that in a in a second. But I wanna chat about Cardiff first, um look back to to midweek because we won two nil. Uh, goals from Tavern Riley McGree were enough to get the three points. Um Tom, how would you assess that performance against Cardiff? It was a decent enough performance. I thought we we did everything that was needed of us. I don't think we played anywhere near our best, um, but we we still got the result. And it, it, it's good that you can do that against teams in this league where you don't particularly play hundred percent, or you know how how you know you can play, but you still uh, get the results. I'd say I, I stop stop short of saying grind out the result there because I don't even think it was necessarily that. It's just they weren't. A very good team, I didn't think. Um, but <laughs> we we still managed to <laughs> uh, we we still managed to you know get the get the couple of goals we needed and and see it out and obviously it, it is what we needed to kind of take into the Stoke game as well. Nice bit of momentum mm-hmm. taken to that. Yeah, I think when you say about Cardiff there, I think individually, I think the rubbish, but I can kind of see what they're trying to do. Do you know what I mean? So like, I think if you have like a better players in that system, then maybe. There might be a good team again next season, but it's kind of they were underwhelming at times. Uh, but then it, it was a week of tactical tweaks for Middlesbrough. Um, and firstly, we saw Jones and Baller really push on um, onto onto Cardiff's wing backs. We were much more dominant on the left hand side, which was a bit unusual given that we always use Zay Jones on the right. Um, why do you think that was? Why do you think we we made that tweak? Well, I think we push the wing backs, especially Matt Bowler, quite advanced in home games. I'll just shot something on the screen now for people watching on YouTube. You can see the home games that we have. Bowler's getting more more advanced. It was the same for the whole game as well. So Hull, Huddersfield, Cardiff, he's getting progressively more uh, further up the pitch. He's got to be in the goal mouth soon, I think. But yeah, I mean, I think what we did for the, the Cardiff game, and it was quite fruitful for us because... Their left-hand side, it was Cody Drama, Tommy Doyle and Ruben Colwell. I don't think they were as maybe intent on getting back as they were maybe getting forward. And as Steve Morris has said after the game about the turnover of possession and Borough being better in the, the transitions from attack to defence, mm. it became quite apparent quite quickly in the game that Bowler had a lot of space on that left-hand side. And all it really took for Borough was one or two passes between him, Tav and, and Paddy McNair to get around the press that, that Cardiff kind of had and for us to get in. We just didn't pass the ball quick enough, I don't think. And I think that was the theme of the game. It was kind of, it felt like a pre-season game and I think it had the atmosphere uh, to boot. But yeah, there was a lot of space down that left-hand side and the, the left-hand side seems to be getting a lot better, I've noticed of late, especially in the build-up. I think maybe in the final third, we just need that little bit more quality, especially with Baller. But um, yeah, I think in the home games, it's definitely notable that Baller is definitely playing more advanced. Um, away from home, it's different. I think we maybe get pinned back a little bit um, as per the, the home team's style of play. But it's definitely something that, that I've noticed that Baller is in a lot of space on that left-hand side. And it was quite fruitful for us against Cardiff. Yeah, absolutely. I think mean, I think with 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 Mark as well playing on, on that left hand side and the more advanced he is, like, you can definitely see he's a more advanced wing back than he is a 
a defensive one. Um, and yeah, that space is really crucial, isn't it, for a number of reasons. One, for holding up position back, making things a bit more advanced and trying to dominate your style on the game. I think with tempo as well, Dan, I think when we go back to that, I think sometimes we are a little bit too slow and that kind of kills at times. And I feel like if we can move it a little bit quicker next season, then that could be a really fruitful thing for us. But then I want to stick with you because someone scored midweek. Um, Who? And <laughs> it was it? It was, it was Marcus Tavernier. Um, it was Marcus Tavernier. And given that we've said on the podcast that he, although he brings a lot to the to the table in terms of like running stats and contributions and getting brought up the pitch a lot quicker and really being dictating our play, one thing he hasn't been doing, and you told him to do a few times a season, is to shoot more Max Tavernier. And he did just that, didn't he? I don't know whether I've been telling him to shoot. I mean, uh, to be honest, in home games, whenever he's got the ball and, you know, you hear the crowd saying shoot, I, I always say, don't you dare. Because, you know, we, yeah. we see often Tavs spooning shots in a row's end. To be fair, we did see it in the Cardiff game. I think he had maybe three uh, shots that just hit Rosette. That obviously needs to be improved. But I think what I said on the last podcast is we need to, or I would like to see us shoot more because Dylan Phillips is a little bit sus. We did see that in that goal, the first goal that we scored, he could have done and probably should have done better with it. And as I said, it sounds simplistic, but if you don't shoot, you never know what will happen. We saw exactly what can happen in that game against Cardiff where obviously Tav had that shot. It was the one part of the game where we really needed it, didn't we? We really needed that quickening the tempo. We we had that in the build-up to that goal and it was a, a, a fantastic strike. And, um, you know, he's just, he's some player to have. I really think he's super for this team. And it's a shame that a lot of people judge him off his goals and assists. Of course he could get more, of course he could, but he just brings so much to this team. He's so versatile. We saw that yesterday, playing left wing back um, against Stoke, the pressing and something that Pep, uh, Liverpool's number two, said, he calls pressing chasing. It's pressing getting the ball back, not with the intent to make players uncomfortable or to force them into a mistake but pressing getting the ball back and I think that's what Tav does you know his tackling is very good whenever he loses the ball he's the first player that gets up to win it back almost in that counter press and I I think for Tav we got the question last week didn't we about who can be sacrificed out with McNair, Dale and and Tav in terms of selling this isn't some sort of um, I don't know Hunger Games situation here, but uh, I can't say tough because I just think that everything that he brings to this team is exactly what Chris Wilder wants. The drive, the progression, the tackling, the pressing, the creativity. He's got a fantastic delivery from the left. We just don't really see it so much because nobody really gets on the end of them. They don't gamble in the box, but he's a, a top player and he will be picked up by a Premier League team for a big fee, in my opinion. Okay. A fee? Do you want to give me a, a fee in mind or should we move on? I can't think of any on the spot, but obviously he's a young player and clubs will pay for potential. So don't be surprised if it's a little bit more than what maybe the masses would expect. Yeah. Okay, then. Well, we'll move on uh, to the second goal and Tom and Riley McGree. Rounded off the win. It was a deflected shot, of course, but two and two for him uh, when he played when playing against Cardiff. And since he's arrived in in January for a really good price, he's been quite impressive. Have you been happy with, with Riley McGree every time he's played? 
Not every time. Uh, I think there were a few few times after he came back from the injury where I don't think he was necessarily up to speed yet, but we did need him to play. But I think that that only lasted about well, three or four games, and then he kind of returned to to normal. You know, when, when he first came in, I, I think it was against West Brom where he he just played that that through ball to Tav for the f- second goal, I think, or maybe the first. Yeah. I, I can't remember, but. It, it was just a pass that I know in previous years no one in centre midfield would have you know even seen. Can you imagine George Savile doing that last season? Or, <laughs> or like, um, it, it just it kind of really shows how much better our recruitment strategy has been. Um, you know from from January, um, and and then the last few games, I think he's even kind of surpassed what he was showing when he came in, um, and, and is is back to his best. You know, he can pick a pass so well. Uh, but we can also see he's uh, he's got a pretty decent shot on him as well. Um, so I, th- I think next season he's going to be one of the players to to really watch out for. I really like him. I, I really like him as well, uh, Tom. I, I know you were saying there. T- took a couple of games to come back from injury to get back into the form that he's in. But I think technically he's he's excellent. I think he, I feel like time just stops when he's on the ball, and you know he's able to create that that pass or the get the get the ball in behind really really well. I think his his ball control is superb, and he just brings a lot to the to to the team. I think if we were to ever sell Tav, you've already got a, a fantastic replacement in Riley McGree within the squad, and it's such I think such a good signing as well for the, the fee that we probably paid for him for relatively quite low. The profit we could potentially make on him is is outstanding. Um, but for, we'll I'll end on on a, a bit of a sour note in terms of the Cardiff game. Aaron Connolly came on. There was booze around the ground when he when he when he came on by a section of supporters. Uh, Dana, you're a little bit well disappointed the way fans reacted to that substitution, because well, actually, what what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's a little bit uncomfortable, isn't it? I mean, you can have your opinions on Aaron Connolly, and for what it's worth, I have criticised him, but I would never boo a player onto the pitch. I just don't see the. I just I just don't see the point in that. I think it's entirely counterproductive. Of course, fans pay their their money; they're entitled to voice their opinion. But I just think that that's maybe overstepping the mark a little bit. But um, I mean, he got a chant. He's got a chant now, hasn't he? Yeah. Which is rather it's it's humorous, isn't it? Yeah. So I think that's better than the booing, isn't it? Yeah, I was gonna say, Tom. It, it time is a is a is a crazy thing. A couple of days he's getting booed, and next thing you know, he's got he's got a an outrageous chant. Um, but it, it was a little bit disappointing not to hear like those initial boos, though, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think you should ever ever boo. You know, single out a player on your own team to to do that to. And you know, I was walking out the stadium on Wednesday. There was a couple of guys behind me who were like pointing them out, saying, "Look at him. He's not even bothered. He's not clapping with the rest of us. He's straight down the tunnel. He had his shirt off." I'm stood there. I was thinking, "Why should he clap you? You know, if you if you go and uh, you know, put put in effort for a for a, your loan team, and I'm going to say he has put effort in. We've had much worse strikers than him in the past, which haven't had that same level of treatment. And to then be booed onto the pitch by sections of your supporters, why should you go clap them? I yeah. actually kind of <laughs> agreed with what he did there, and just kind of walking away from it. So, um, yeah, I think it was it was kind of un- unfair for him to be uh, singled out in in that way because. I think regardless of, you know, goal return or anything, you, you can't see hasn't put effort in. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I'd agree with you. I think his, his stats have been disappointing, but 
I think he, he does work hard and he just he tries to to try and make things happen when he's on the pitch. Although like it hasn't been superb, I, I agree with you both. Like it's just kind of bang out of order, really. And I think you're a bit of a doyle if you uh if you boo any Bora player, to be honest. So just don't do it. It's just it's just so counterproductive. Um, but let's move on to Stoke then, because the Potters were third in the form table before this one, but two goals from a uh, returning Matt Crooks and a Johnny Housen. Or can we say Lewis Baker on goal? Um, gave Borough a 3-1 win uh, and our final home league game of the season. While did make four changes, obviously more noticeably, another tactical tweak that we've seen uh, was to have moved to a wing-back position and Crooks moved back into midfield. Of course, McNair missed out because of, of, of illness and Ball went back onto the bench. Uh, and Crooks obviously came back at the team as long as Andras Spora. Um, but what benefits do you think we saw with this tactical tweak, Dana? Was it... a uh, it seemed to have a nice little balance with, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I think we had our best players on the pitch. Tav, Crooks, then McGree's been playing well as well. Obviously, that's what Tav gives you, the versatility to be able to play him in different positions. And, uh, you know, number eight, Wilder said you could play number eight, number six, number 10, left wing back, right wing back probably. He's a very versatile player and it was good to be able to, I suppose, fit everyone in. There was a little sort of conversation. We probably would have got questions about it had there not been in a game immediately after the Cardiff one about should Crooks come straight back into the team. And I was having a conversation in the car with my friend about it and I said, I wouldn't because McGree's been playing well. So it's good that Chris Wilder brought him back in and obviously Bowler dropped out. But to be honest, Bowler's performances have not been to a degree or to a level where you think we'll miss him here. So it was a good change from, from Wilder. I also thought that the way that we approached the game, I noticed a lot more that we were trying to get in behind. Far too many times recently we've seen strikers come short. We don't have the strikers to really sustain pressure, but we were getting in behind. You see with Crooks's goal... The, the first one, there's three players there, Crooks included, in between the centre-halves and trying to make those runs in, in the space in front of them, or sorry, behind them. So that was what I really liked to see. That's what Spra does. That's I mean, he points a lot, doesn't he, Spra? Because he wants the ball played through in behind. What more we know what he can give with his running, um, chasing down lost courses, I saw that a lot more yesterday, which was really good tactically. I think that was that was good. And also we had more, I guess, it was more fruitful out wide for us. Uh, we had more joy in those little link-ups. Riley McGreen, Tav were working well, uh, working quite well. I actually put a, a pass network up here. And you could see immediately on that uh, left-hand side, the it, it says at the bottom that arrow brightness reflects the number of passes completed between players. You can see there, McGree and Tav linking up really well on that left, whereas on the right you can still see it with uh, with Crooks and Jones, but the left again, touching on what I, I mentioned earlier, is definitely improving. And I thought that that was definitely a good uh, a good switch that I saw there, where Tav going out to the left, providing a lot more of a of an outlet, I suppose, on that left hand side. Yeah, I on, on that passing network there, Dave, it does show like how much of a need for a left centre back that we, we 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 need to have on the in, in the transfer market this uh, in, in the summer. I think from I appreciate that's a bit narrow of of course with McGree, Tavin and Peltier there, but having that balance there, that passing network and much more structure around that will probably benefit us really when we're on the ball and we come back to that tempo and all that kind of stuff like that. But yeah, I think it'd be nice to get that left footer in, but I think overall, I think it's a really nice little, nice little uh, 
graph that. I think it shows it shows that the the togetherness of of uh, Riley McGree and Tav. But we alluded to him, Tom. Uh, left centre back row Lee Peltier uh, came in yesterday. Saw him do an overlap, um, which I thought <laughs> I would never ever say that I saw Lee, Lee Peltier doing an overlap from centre half ever, um, but he did. Um, firstly. I want to go on the tactical tweak side of things with you and say what benefits did you see from that tactical tweak we made, but then also what are your thoughts on Lee Peltier in general because he's just been safe as houses, hasn't he? Well, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think in in terms of the the first question, uh, as Dana said, we managed to get all all of our best midfielders on the t- uh, in the team, so you know, Tab being able to play there was a, a huge benefit. We had a, a good link on the left hand side, and then we were also seeing it on the right with with Crooks coming back in. I wasn't entirely sold on Crooks coming in straight away because um, same reason as Dana, I thought McGree's been doing well and and why should he be dropped? So it, it's good that we have been able to accommodate that. But as well as what we saw between Tav, uh, McGree and to a lesser extent Peltier on the left-hand side, it was nice to see that working again with Crooks, Dykesdale and Jones on the right because... I think Jones has been quiet for quite a few games now, but we did mm. see him trying to attack a lot more yesterday and put more early crosses in as well, which I, I feel like he must have been told to do because there have, have been times where he's uh, been holding onto the ball a little bit too long um, so and, and always going for that low cross. So it, it's it's good to see him kind of trying to pick a pass early um, with uh, more of a kind of lofted uh, cross into the box. But... Yeah, going back to Peltier, um, he, he has been really safe every time he has played. Um, I wasn't expecting too much out of him this season. Um, obviously, when we signed him, it was a Warnock signing. I just thought, this is, other than Sol Bamber, who I don't think had signed at that point, I was like, this is a fucking typical Warnock signing here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if he could have bet any money on uh, Warnock signing any players, it would have been between Peltier and Bamber. But um <laughs> You just you'd expect him to be kind of what what uh, Warnock said when we first came in, where it's like uh, you know six seven out of ten every week, and um, I feel like he has been. Um, obviously, when Wilder came in, there would have been questions about whether or not he could uh, fit the system, but he's played in in a couple of different roles and you know give hundred percent all the time. <clears throat> I was really hoping by the end of the, yesterday's game that uh, either him or Bamba would get a, a first goal for us from from open play, but uh, I guess that they'll just have to stick with the memories of the uh, the shootout at Old Trafford. But um, <laughs> no, I, I can't complain with with anything from from Peltier this season. I think he's probably performed exactly how, as I expected him to. He's teetering yeah. on a on a trip to the shit house island because he was doing little things in the match. And one of them was, I think he was laid on top of one of their players, stopping them from getting up. And then uh, there was one where he pushed the goalkeeper to stop him from taking the goal kick early. There's little things that he's done throughout the season, isn't, hasn't he, that I think he deserves a place on Shithouse Island. There's, there might not be one thing specifically, like Crooks mm. shushing the Barnsley fans, but I think Lee Peltier is a, an underrated Shithouse. I think we, we did give him a temporary pass. Maybe we... We we make it a permanent. Maybe I Lee Peltier. Lee Peltier, you are on the island. Um yeah, Lee, <laughs> uh, Lee, Lee Peltier is on Shithouse Islands. Um and that makes it a very, very populated island at the moment. If I'm, if I'm just gonna quickly pull it up, the um yeah. yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I'm thinking, yeah, it's getting quite busy, a lot of shithousery in there. 
I think Lee Peltier is going to be right at the top, you know. I think he's he definitely deserves his chance mm. um, to to fight for top shit house. Um, <laughs> but in, in in terms of him and him and Bamba, though, yeah, they've been a really nice, pleasant surprises throughout the whole season. I think when the both signed, you're thinking, oh, like really, do we need them? I appreciate they're going to be like squad players, but they've brought a lot to the to the team, haven't they? In the in the in the changing rooms and on the pitch as well, they show that level of calmness at times you know really good professionals and i don't think we'll see them next season i think they're both going to be probably released um but i think overall they've done a really good job the pair of them this season i think they've been really underappreciated too so um but in terms of uh a player that was came at the squad and you've both mentioned him in matt crooks um appreciate he was out due to suspension tavern mcgree have played well in midfield and you've both said you wouldn't have started him but do you think on saturday it showed what Matt Crooks brings to the team, Tom? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think as as both me and Dana just said there, the, there was more of a link up on the right-hand side with him being back in and it allowed kind of more balance on the left-hand side as well. Um, and I, I feel like the the few games out that he, he had, I, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago in terms of mental fatigue from some of the players. I feel like he might have been one of the ones who was affected by that, kind of judging by some of the fouls he was giving away and you know the, a couple of the yellow cards he picked up right before he hit 15 uh, were just kind of like slow, kind of clumsy challenges. But maybe having a few games out has helped with that because he did look you know, back to his best and fully focused yesterday. Uh, obviously managed to chip in with a couple of goals and, and hopefully he can bring that into the last game of the season as well. Yeah. Um, Dan, what's your thoughts on it as well? Do you think, would you just agree with what Tom was saying there on Matt Crooks? Do you think it kind of shows like everything that he brings in, in terms of like the quality, especially on that right-hand side as well with linking up with Jones? Yeah, 100%. And I mean, we're forgetting the the big thing, which is goals. He's our top scorer, the first central uh, midfielder for Middlesbrough to hit double figures since Grad Ledbetter in the playoff season. And that second goal that he scored was pretty much classic Matt Crooks, I think, you know, picking up that the sort of scrappy goals. I know the the all Wilder said Chan goes that he scores belters all the time. He absolutely doesn't. He scores the the scrappy goals, but I mean, we'll let that slide. Um, it was very similar to was it the first goal that he scored this season against Bristol City, where it's a flick on from a from a free kick, and then uh, he poked it home. It was very similar to that, obviously from a from a corner though. And I mean, we we were much better at set pieces yesterday, and Matt Crooks is pivotal to that I think um, so yeah he obviously coming back into the team and scoring the two goals that he did is huge for us because we absolutely need somebody to pick up that mantle and be the goal scorer and Matt Crook's gone off the boil a little bit prior to that but brilliant to see him back in the team and back amongst the goals as well yeah and we did score two set pieces yesterday Dana and I alluded to it on the last podcast where I just said I absolutely love these outrageous set pieces that we're doing now. One where we throw the ball in the air. There's one where we bounce it on the floor. Yeah. There's like there's I've like, noticed there's, there's, that actually. Yeah. There's a salt shaker. There's, there's a little dance. <laughs> someone's break dancing in the six yard box. Alan Nil, man, what an absolute master. Alan Nil's break dancing on the six yard box. Alan Nil's. <laughs> I thought that's what you said then. <laughs> on the six yard box. Uh, Chris Wilder's doing the Ravinelli in this in the dugout. <laughs> Um, there's so many set pieces, you know, he's absolute mascots. But Tom, how important is it that we keep trying to find new ways to become more dangerous in the final third? 
I think very. Um, you know, we, we've spoke about it before. We've we'd managed to become a, a little bit predictable in how we were going to play. I think this is particularly before Bowler came back and adds, added some some kind of more balance attacking wise uh, on, on the left hand side because everyone knew we were going to attack through Jones. But I feel like we've always had the the potential for success from set pieces this season uh, with some of the height that we have. Um, you know, for any football manager players out there, it's near post corner and crooks the taxes. You know, and and we've 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 seen an example of that kind of working. Yes, it was far post, but it was still crooks that got on on the end of it after Fry got it. Um, yeah, uh, like I said, we, we've always had the potential to do it. It's just nice to see that we are trying some of these um, new kind of uh, you know set players that we've we've clearly been working on now, um, and, and and being able to kind of unlock that potential. So now we're, we're dangerous in quite a few ways. Yeah, that's exactly it. Having uh strengths in different areas of the game at different moments is absolutely vital, especially if you want to be a team that goes up. Uh, but Dana, final question, how would your overall assessment be of the game against Stoke? Do you think it was a, a very well-deserved three points? Yeah, it was. Obviously, it's really disappointing we could see that goal at the end. There was a little bit of deflation mm-hmm. around me when that went in. Um, Nick Powell might be added to my football blacklist very soon if that goal counts for something but um yeah it took us maybe 10-15 minutes to get into the game but I thought when we were on it we looked really dangerous and Johnny Housen was absolutely running the show he was fantastic weaving his way through that midfield effortlessly really and um yeah as I said our set pieces uh were much better that maybe 25 20 minute spell in the first half was very good from us I think we fed off the crowd really and the atmosphere was fantastic in the game I thought Red Faction were were brilliant from start to finish and the second half changed when they made the changes I thought when they put Stephen Fletcher on they were able to sustain a little bit of pressure and the ball stuck with them a lot more and I mean Nick Powell came on he was a half-time change wasn't he? he had the most shots in the game with five so I think that their changes made a difference but um yeah, we, we scored in the key moments and I think that was key in the game. It was pivotal and, um, yeah, a, a well-deserved three points. It's just a shame that we couldn't maybe go for the fourth goal and then we conceded in the end. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, well, it sets up a final day to be very, very exciting. I'm not going to Preston because I know I'll jinx us. Um, but let's move <laughs> on to questions then because this is the opportunity uh, where you ask us questions through Twitter, email at theboroughbreak.hotmail.com or our Telegram chat where we have over 170 Borough fans chatting everything Borough um, and Championship, Premier League, you name it. And sometimes we talk about the Wobbly Goblin um, in Stockton. Um, but the first question um, is from Richard Burns. Uh, he says, is Tav the answer at left wing back? The few times we've seen him seen him there, he looks so comfortable, good engine, does his defensive work well. Then I'm going to stick with you. You know, you're, Marcus, you're number one in the Marcus Tavernier fan club. Um <laughs> What what do you think? I don't know. It depends what the question is. I think for me, sometimes it works against, you know, like West Brom when when we changed it and they, I mean, Steve Bruce did not tweak his tactics whatsoever to avoid Tav getting in behind. I don't know what he was thinking, but against certain Genius. teams, yeah, tactical masterclass. But some sometimes it works. I just feel like maybe when there's more of a potent threat down the right-hand side, they'll pin Tav back and maybe expose a little bit of his game. But he's somebody that can do a very good job in those in, in that position, or a decent job. Uh, anyway, far too many times I think we see players going into different positions and kind of getting by, but Tav does does well. I just think maybe against other teams, um, playoff rivals potentially, or somebody with a, with a fast, more attacking output on that right-hand side, we could see a little bit of vulnerability there. But yeah, I prefer him through the middle, which is a role reversal of earlier in the season when I was saying I prefer him out wide. So, you know, Downing, by the way, seems to love him out wide um, when he's on the yeah. punditry gig because I think, and I, I do see it, he does have a good delivery from the left-hand side, as I've alluded to. But yeah, for me... Um, take what Richard says, good engine, does his defensive work well. But for me, I, I do prefer him through the middle. And I don't think for long-term anyway or mid-term, we should be looking at Tav left wing back. Kind of gives me Dean Whitehead right back vibes. I don't know why. <laughs> I just feel like he'll do a job. He just does a job there. He does it like very well. Uh, he yeah. does the job well, but he's, he's just not a wing back, in, in my opinion. But I think we'll just move to on. add on to it as well, Um him and McGree at left centre mid. I think that's where we've got the strongest, uh, strongest depth in the squad now. I'm thinking about any other position in the squad. I don't think you, we've got two absolute top quality players in, in our, any other position other than uh, left centre mid. Hmm. Good point. I, I, I 100% agree. It's going to be interesting to see what we do next year. Do we play with two left centre midfielders? Because we can't take them, take them out to have a gap in midfield. Just play two in the same position. But we'll see. Um, next question. It's from Jake, and I think David Tickle said uh, something similar as well. Um, the both said, do you see Luke Daniels being our number one next season, or will we buy a new keeper in the summer? We've spoke about this a lot, Tom. 
But what do you think? Luke Daniels number one next season? Yeah, you love giving me a goalkeeper question, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't see him being our number one next season. But I will say I think he's done really well since he's came back into the team. Um, I wasn't sold on him earlier in the season, and I've never been more happy to be wrong about uh, a keeper because he's he's came in cold, um, and he's done everything that's that's been asked of him. Um, I don't think since Lumley was dropped, there's been any if if uh, many if at all any uh, situations yeah. where we felt uncomfortable with anything Daniels has been doing in goal. So fair play to him. I think he, he will probably still be here next season. Um, but I think he'll be number two behind a different uh, goalkeeper. Okay, then next next question uh, is from Charlie. And he says, with the game of such importance, do you think the dropping of ball means that the left wing back will be a priority in the summer? Then you've said there that it's a quick fix putting Tav there. But do you think left wing back is, is definitely a priority that we should be looking at? Yeah, I think it is anyway, because Neil Taylor is out of contract, as things stand anyway. But yeah, Bowler, and I've mentioned it, I mentioned it maybe one or two podcasts ago, and I was speaking to Gab Sutton about this as well on the EFL debate, that I'm just not particularly convinced by Bowler. I do think there's a good player in there, don't get me wrong, but it just hasn't really got going for him, as it? When Chris Wilder came in, he played, what was it, the first two games and then got injured. And it seems like he's not really fully, anyway, got into the rhythm. Maybe with a full preseason and, crucially, an injury-free preseason, he can get into the swing of things. But given that Taylor is out of contract and we don't really have as much depth, left left wing back and all Coulson's coming back, I can't really see him staying at the club. We'll, we'll probably already be looking at a left wing back and... It's probably a case of do you go in for a better wing back than Bowler or an improvement, shall we say, or back up? And I think Bowler will go for an improvement for for Mark Bowler. Um, I think, again, you know, as I said, he's a good player and maybe something could be unlocked where he elevates his game. But I'm just not entirely convinced really by his defensive responsibilities uh, as much as going forward, if I'm being honest. I mean, he ran to play John Rhodes on side against Huddersfield. And there's, I suppose, little moments like that and I'm, where I'm thinking, what are you doing? But yeah, um, hopefully, hopefully we can see a, a a better bowler kind of fulfil his potential. But I think, Bor- uh, yeah, Bora will be looking for a bowler replacement potentially or an improvement in the summer. Okay, then. And then the final question, uh, it's for you both. Tom, I'll come to you first. Uh, it's from BB. And they say the same team uh, against Preston. So would you go as the same team that beat Stoke against Preston? Yeah. Yeah, easy answer. <laughs> it is, yeah. But um, I, I was just going to say, we, we, we've got all of, our, uh, all of our best players on there. They did the job yesterday. They should be starting against Preston for me. I think it's, you know, obviously the most important game of the season so far. So, uh, yeah, just stick with the same team. Okay, same team. And then Dana? I think I would, yeah. I mean, just because individually, the likes of Tav, McGree, Crooks, they all played well. Um, even Spira, I think he was... It was a weird one with Spira because I thought he was effective, but also somewhat ineffective, but also decent. You know, he was making runs in behind that were 
maybe stretching the defence. I mean, you've got a 50-year-old Phil Jagielka there. It's probably always going to happen. But you, I think you had him where he was trying to get him behind and it was causing them problems, even if it wasn't spotted. I think he did a decent enough job, although maybe from first view he was ineffective. But, yeah, it was a strange one with him. But, yeah, I think I would keep it the same. Just a little bit wary of Tav on that left wing back. Um, they played Alan Brown right wing back in the last game, I think. Um, central midfielder playing right wing back so if they keep it like that might not have as many problems not saying he won't have any but he might not have as many problems as say for example they had a I don't even know who their normal right wing back is to be honest but somebody with a little bit more attacking intent and natural kind of instinct on that right hand side maybe okay uh, I'd make the one change I think I'd just go for McNair for Peltier um, but I think I'll I forgot about McNair, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think although like Pat Yig is like is, is being safe in that left centre back role, I just think McNair's a better option for us to to introduce uh, for the final day of the season. But let's move on to the present place because the present place is the place that we have to give praise to anyone around Mills Football Club. It could be a dinosaur, it could be the Wobbly Goblin, it could be a pint, it could be someone that runs on the pitch and takes a photo with Tav, which I don't think is going to be in the present place. Um, no. So uh, that could be like the. The, the, the negative place where we put like something in the our negative moment of the week. Um, if that is one, I'm just going to say ban card, board sign saying, can I have your shirt and yes. no more kids on the pitch? Stop mm-hmm. it. Um, but praise the place. Who gets your nomination for the week? Dan, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm going to divide it, actually. We probably should do this more often, shouldn't we? Divide it game by game within the week. But the Cardiff game, I'm going to say... Anthony Dykesdale, because I thought he was fantastic, imperious as he usually is. I mean, he's just such an underrated defender. He uses his body so well to block um, attackers out. I thought bringing the ball out as well, he was comfortable um, for the most part. And, and yeah, I thought he was he was great against Cardiff. But then also Johnny House, oh my God. The, the 25 minutes that we were properly on it in that first half, I thought he was the key to it. Borough started playing when Johnny House has started to to dictate the game. And um, it was a joy at times to watch him. Um, and to be fair, he was good against Cardiff as well. So for me, I would put uh, Dykesdale and House in there. But I also want to give a mention to Dale Fry, who I think if he wasn't injured in the games that he's been this season, he would be in a sh- uh, within a shout for me of being player of the year because I think he has been brilliant magnificent in defense he's having his best career today in my opinion he's really stood up this season and and kind of gone from a boy to a man I think in defense and he's had a very good campaign as well come back into the team is shown his importance so yes a shout out to Dale Fry as well okay so Dyke Steele Housen and Fry Tom who gets your place this week or places Start off with Lou Daniels. Um, I know I've said I think it was last week or the, the week before. Like I wouldn't put him in the present place just for kind of doing what's required of a goalkeeper or anything like that. But <laughs> the last few games when when he's been brought in, I think as I said earlier, he's done everything that's been needed from him, uh, and no one's kind of really felt uncomfortable with him being there. Um, happy to be proven wrong after the uh, earlier form in the season. But it's exactly what we've needed for the last few games of the season. Um, for you know, someone to come in and just be that safe pair of hands in goal. Um, probably, you know, the, the fans aren't nervous, and I would think 
it shows that the defence aren't necessarily nervous with him being there either. So it's nice to have that kind of you know calming influence when it's uh, you know such an important stage of the season. And secondly, I'm going to go for Tav for for both games this week. I think he's been outstanding. <clears throat> Great goal on uh, on Wednesday. And one of the things I, I like about what's, what he's adding to his game at the moment is you can say on the pitch he's becoming very vocal. Um, I don't think it was Cardiff. It might have been the home game before that, but uh, I'm pretty sure he was switched to left wing back and he was he was shouting at Bowler, telling him to get in position for, for left <laughs> yeah, centre back. Home. And, no, it was Huddersfield. Um, Huddersfield, yeah. yeah. Um, and you, you've seen in the last couple of games, a couple more examples of him just kind of being very vocal and shouting at other people on the team. And I know we're not, not our season preview show yet or anything like that, but my full prediction for next season is going to be if Housen leaves, Tav becomes captain. Because I, I think that's that's something he's he's showing is is a developing part of his game and it honestly wouldn't surprise me. If, if it's not next season, I think if he says the next few years, I think it'll happen. Everyone always talks about Dale Fry stepping up to be the next captain. I think it'd be tough. Oh, bald, bald! That could that's a, it's a good one. That time, well, I'll come back to you on the season preview show when we do it in July. So, uh, but that's I think that's a I think two good people in the, in the present place. I would go for I think one. I'm going to start with a mention. I'll give a mention to Riley McGree. Um, I think he's been sensational since he's came back into the team. Uh, especially the last few games, I really, really like him. I uh, really like Anthony Dagsteele as well. I want he's he's always going to be in that present place for me. Absolutely su- superb. But I think the the big nomination I give this week is to Alan Mill. Um, I, th- I think you can see since he's came in the the building with Chris Wilder, uh, you can just see how well drilled we are as a team now. Um, Alan Mill, the coaching staff with Chris uh, in in charge of well, because Alan Mill does a lot of the training ground work. You can just see where how Borough play now in terms of patterns of play, how well drilled we are. The set, the new set pieces that we're introducing it week in, week out. I think we've really, really kicked on since Chris Wilder and, and his team have, have came in the building. And yeah, I think they have to get a, a definite shout out because you know we would never be in this position if we had Neil Warnock in charge. Not a chance. Wouldn't be anywhere close. And I think we'd be talking about a podcast to say, "Let's start what next season. Let's start what next season." If Chris, if uh, Neil Warnock was in charge, but. I think with this coaching staff, I think we're in really, really good safe hands, especially with, with like Alan Hill in the training ground too. Uh, but let's look ahead to Preston in the final day of the season, uh, where Borough player Ryan Laws, Lily Whites, who sit 14th in the championship table. Guys, let's break them down uh, because we, unfortunately we haven't been able to get a Preston uh, person to come in this week. But uh, what's your thoughts on the initial game? What should we look out for? Dana, do you want to go first? Yeah, well, they set up in a 3-1-4-2 against Barnsley. It seemed, anyway, from from kind of the outside perspective looking in, that it was somewhat makeshift because you had Daniel Johnson left wing back, Alan Brown right wing back, you had Ben Whiteman and Ali McCann in the middle. There's been a, a lot of Preston fans that want Ali McCann in the team. I think his pressing and running numbers uh, are very good. He's got a good engine on him and a few people are wanting the captain, um, Alan Brown, dropped. But I think somebody that I've liked that maybe has gone off a little, uh, gone off the boil a little bit um, is Seth van der Berg 
um, the right-sided centre-back in a three. I thought I think he's a very good defender. Has shown that this season. I thought he was good from what I can remember anyway. Gates was at the Riverside. Um, and there's there's a few players in their team that individually are good. Cameron Archer was on my transfer wish list last, uh, last week. But a lot of their fans are saying that he's maybe looked a little bit jaded of late. Men's football is caught up with him, et cetera, et cetera. But interestingly enough, when I kind of dived in on their their forums, they're not 100% convinced by Ryan Law. They said, somebody said, the locomotion um, is more of a replacement bus service at the moment. I think maybe a little bit of impatience there. I'm not too sure. But a few people are saying that maybe the attack in football just isn't, they're not really seeing the signs of that yet. Um, and it's becoming a little bit, a little bit slow and some creaky parts but to be fair I look at their squad and I think that it does need work um pretty sure that Brad Potts was was quite a figure of criticism earlier in the season um and he's still getting the team I don't know whether his performances have, have improved or, or, or what but um yeah they seem to they seem to have been ex- experiencing a few similar issues to us in terms of their front two recent archer apparently don't really work as a pair there's nobody that can make the ball stick um and hold it up and lay it off etc i've also seen a few people complain about the poor service um to the forward so it'll be interesting to see if they switch things up potentially final game of the season maybe with next season in mind um and i, I suppose how that front partnership works because I think individually Reese and Archer are, are good players and have had good seasons but um, together they don't quite mesh well which is interesting Yeah it, it looks like a, a project is is needed at Preston, it has been for a couple of mm. seasons, it looks like they've, they've been in the long long transition phase for maybe about 10 seasons if it kind of feels like <laughs> uh, but Tom what, what's the form looking like, Look, currently sitting 14th fans aren't particularly too happy but how is the form can? I feel like I've been saying this every time we do this recently, but mixed. Um, so out of the last five games, they've won two, lost two, and drawn one. Um, good win for him yesterday against Barnsley. They won 3-1 there. Uh, but the game before that, last Monday, they lost 4-1 at home at Blackburn. But interestingly enough, from that game as well, I feel like it's it's like I said with with Cardiff, but they weren't exactly completely blown away, um, even kind of disregarding the scoreline there because they actually had more possession than the, than Blackburn and had only had one less shot in the entire game. But Blackburn were just more clinical; they had double the amount of shots on target and and made it count. Um, game before that, they got beat three 0 away at Fulham, one uh, one draw at home at press. Uh, uh, no, Millwall before that, Tom Bob Preston. Um, <laughs> and the game before that, they beat um, QPR 2-1 at home. Um, and you can see kind of stats-wise from those games, I think with the exception of Fulham, um, they were either kind of fairly equal to or better than their opponents in terms of possession uh, and, and still kind of you know recording some decent uh, stats kind of shots-wise and stuff like that. Okay, then, so... What are your predictions then, Tom? I don't know. Anything could happen, couldn't it? It's just like last year of the season. Um, I'm going to go for 2-1 Borough. Um, I think we'll we'll just manage it. Okay. Dana? <sighs> oh, I don't know. You know what? I don't even say anything, to be honest. Um I'm going to echo Tom. 
I'm going to say 2-1 Bora. No, actually 2-0. Let's hope for 2-0. Okay. Hopefully, we, hopefully we win. I just want us to win. Manifesting a 2-0 win. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to go like match abandoned or something daft like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go 10-0 Bora, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, how's your ball? Like I said, at, I said at the start, how's your ball? How can you? How can you do it? Look, we need a win, and I think we we can do it. And I think we will do it. Two 0 and we'll see what happens. But obviously, there's a lot riding on this game for not just us, but there could be other teams as well. We've got Luton. Luton could still potentially mess up if catastrophically uh, something catastrophically goes back wrong. Um. You've also got Sheffield United as well at home to Fulham. But what are the permutations, David? How do we get into sixth place? Because we've got a screen grab, um, and it's from uh, the T side on, on Fly Me to the Moon, uh, and who, who's pulled it together. And as they say, the last ditch goal was a blow, but there were but there are now many permutations where we can still make the playoffs. We win and Sheffield United lose. We win 2 0, and Sheffield United draw 0 0. We win while scoring two more goals than Sheffield United uh, in, a, in the score. Oh, sorry, is that we win while scoring two more goals than Sheffield United score in a draw? Uh, we win and lose, and sorry, we win and lose and lose, but both their remaining games, we win and lose and lose one and draw one of their remaining games, and we have a better goal difference. God, that was that's that is just so many like different ways we could do it. Johnny's brain likely... is just broke. <laughs> it really is. You know, really, there's not my strong point. Uh, but the <sighs> can we? Like, final question: Can we? Can we actually do it, Dana? What do you think? Of course, we can. We just need to be the borough that that we've kind of shown this season and harness all of the positivity that we have seen under Chris Wilder and not crumble under the pressure um, there was big pressure on Borough in the game against Cardiff given that that was our game in hand there was big pressure on the game against Stoke given that Sheffield United obviously won against QPR who by all accounts were apparently really really bad terrible um, in the second half against uh, the Blades but this is the third time now we have to stand up and be strong and I mean there's going to be five 5,600 Borough fans in that away end, definitely some in the home end as well. So they've got to really feed off that energy and early goal would be massive for us. Um, I'm going to be there. So hopefully, hopefully we win and hopefully I'm not a curse. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think we can do it. I think we can do it. Okay. Tom? I think we can win. It's obviously out of our hands if if we can make the playoffs or not. Um, which you know we, we'd have all preferred it to to be in our hands at this this stage of the season. I, I don't know. It, anything can happen on that day. Um, I mean, I love watching the last day of the season when it's stuff like this where there's so many uh, permutations of, of what can possibly happen. Uh, just not really enjoying kind of like being involved in it as as much as when you're a neutral watching it and and stuff. But um, I, I definitely think we can win. It's just we need um, need Fulham to to do the job and help us out as well. It's going to be a classic case of everyone on their phone in the away and just going, "Who's winning, <laughs> Dad? Who's winning?" I mean, my dad's going to be right beside me, but you know. Definitely hey, winning. Ring, yeah, ringing your dad and he stood next to you. <laughs> no. yeah, I don't know. 
いい顔<笑>ああ、can we do it? I think we can. Hopefully, the Fulham that shows up at Sheffield United wants to put on a performance, and I hope Mitrovic wants to be in form and you know, kind of put himself even more in the market, even though 40 goals probably maybe isn't just enough. But that's it, guys. <laughs> thank you very much for joining me, as always, and thank you very much for listening. For listening. But Borough have set up an exciting final day of the season away at Preston with 5,600 Borough fans. And more、uh, cheering them on. But how is your bottle, Middlesbrough? This is the Bora Breakdown podcast, and that was all your Bora Match Day chatter in a pod. Up the Bora Breakdown. Hey, hey, it's Matt Crooks. And Tim just can't handle him. It's me. It's Matt Crooks. He's six foot three, and we call him the tree. Hey, hey. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.